Wesley and I have spoken a lot about what it takes to foster great experiences for your customers. But what about for your users? User experience has become a bit of a buzzword in marketing circles, but actually designing and building quality user experiences is a field in and of itself. UX is the sum of the engagements your visitors, customers, and prospects have with your website, your brand, and your product. I'm Guido Bartolacci, and this is the Adding Value Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Wesley is out this week, so today I'm joined by Chris Singleman, a brand marketer here at Newbreed. Chris is a member of our team who spends a lot of time working on the website and doing graphic design. So with that in mind, I'm excited to talk to you about the role of user experience and how important it is for us marketers. So from your perspective, what is user experience exactly? Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Super excited to be here, Guido. Uh, user experience is something that I have to deal with a lot as a designer and somebody that works on the web. And essentially what it is is how someone feels when they're interacting or engaging with your design. So that can be any graphic or piece of content, your website, really anything that you're putting in front of them. Uh, you know, what's the impression that you're leaving them with? Is it easy to use, pleasant to look at? Does it leave a lasting impression for someone to come back and remember your brand? Uh, you know, according to a recent study by Adobe, given 15 minutes to consume content, two thirds of people would rather read something beautifully designed than something plain and simple. So, you know, at the end of the day, user experience really hinges on your ability as a designer, as a strategist to deliver on the expectations that your users or your prospects have. Uh, you know, if someone comes to your website and they download a guide and they're expecting like this awesome long ebook with tons of supporting graphics and whatnot, and it's just basically a Word document, that's a bad user experience. And it's the same thing if they're going through your main navigation, clicking on something and hoping to end up on one page and ending up on another. Uh, so it's, it's again, it's that kind of, they have, your users have expectations. Are you delivering on them with design and strategy and what you're doing in your interface? Um, but I think what a challenge for me is that as a designer and somebody that works in the web, it, it's really easy to put blinders on and think that user experience is just related to those two things. But you know, by and large, user experience relates to everything and especially to product. And I'm sure that's something that you could talk about pretty well. Yeah, I think to your point, when people think of user experience, the first thing they think of, they think about is a website because that's the type of medium that they get the, the the opportunity to engage with a user experience. People are on websites all day all day long with work on their phones, etc. And um, the the fact of the matter is that that's not the only opportunity that someone has to engage with your brand through user experience. Your product plays a huge role in that. And a lot of companies are adapting their approach to their product by going after what is being coined as product-led growth um, in a lot of circles, or PLG. And that's basically building your acquisition, your retention, and your expansion strategies around the way that your product is, is both designed and what the user experience is intended to look like. So companies are finding ways to make their product look great, be easy to use, be easy to understand, and make it as quick as possible to extract value from those tools so that they're basically compelled to adopt a product quickly, to start using it all the time, to incorporate it into their day-to-day -day lives, and to just expand into the product and use more and more features over time. And great UX can accomplish that. Um, like you mentioned, the same thing that applies to the way in which you approach user experience on a website applies to what you'd want to do within a product. 
is the expectation set appropriately up front when someone clicks on a certain link or goes to a certain aspect of your product? Does that experience match with the expectation set up front? Um, and as long as you're able to deliver that consistently and make it easy for someone to navigate through your product, you can really get a lot of value and deliver a lot of value to your customers. So getting the opportunity to speak to someone with a background like yourself is always interesting to me. I'm not a designer. I don't necessarily understand all the principles behind that. I'll look at something and say, oh, that, that looks good. And that's about as far as I go as far when it comes to design. So I've always been curious, like what are what is the balancing act like between doing design in a really creative way where you're doing something new, unique and different that adheres to the brand and the feeling that you want to convey for a company versus applying an existing framework or um, strategies that are just kind of core to the way that designers think and approach building design um, that are recognizable to the people that you're building that design for. Um, do you think you could speak to that that balancing act a little bit? Yeah, and that's a it's a really good point. And it's a it's something that has definitely become a larger part of my role since working at Newbreed. You know, I think as I learn about UX and compare it to creative design, there's definitely a lot of people out there that see, you know, creative and branded design and UX design as kind of at odds with one another. Uh, and that doing things in the best interest of the user can sometimes take away from your ability to be creative or to be visually enticing. But I don't look at it that way. Instead, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to buck trends while also aligning with what you need to be doing from a user experience perspective. So you can still make something visually stunning and appealing while still factoring in UX. Um, as a graphic designer and where I was spending a lot of time was like, how do I make this stand out from everything else that's out there in, in the world? Um, and sometimes what a user might want to function with or do was the last thing on my mind. And sure, I was producing things that looked really good and looked different from all the rest, um, but were they accomplishing goals was kind of hard to tell. Whereas if you factor in the idea that somebody is going to be looking at your work uh, and looking at these things and having to interact with them and trying to take something away from them, UX principles really only serve to build up something that can be visually enticing. So you want to work towards a, something that, you know, it's easily legible. Are they leaving with a sense of what they want to accomplish when they look at something? Um, does it read in a way that is traditional to expectations? You can still make something that's visually pleasing and that's a part of you as your experience because it makes it more memorable and is pleasing and wants me to keep looking at it uh, while still factoring in things like, is there a clear call to action? Is there a next step in mind? Uh, and that that's mm -hmm. present across graphic and web design. Yeah, one of the things that it makes me think about is if you were to take a website design, for example, and you were doing a, a full rebuild of a website, if you just took your site and copied every other website that you came across um, and just stole elements from them, you'd probably build a website that people came to and could understand quickly and easily, like it'd be easy to navigate. But that feeling that you leave behind wouldn't be that positive because people would come to it, look at it and be like, this is just like everything else I've ever seen. There's no there's no identity here. There's no um, uniqueness here. And without incorporating that aspect, do you really miss the opportunity to build a lasting impression like you mentioned before with your users? Right. One hundred percent. It's, you know, in both of these factors in terms of like when you compare UX and creative design, both of them can be differentiators. But at the end of the day, 
your site, your product, whatever you're producing, the content should align to UX best practices. And then the creative mm -hmm. design is where you have a chance to stand out. Now, there are going to be brands and competitors out there that don't follow like UX best practices. And there's another opportunity for you to you know, set yourself apart from all the rest. Like I kind of think about what you were talking about earlier in terms of product. Like if I try a free trial of a software or something that I want to use, like a project management tool, and I can't accomplish what mm -hmm. I want to accomplish as soon as I get in there, I'm leaving, I'm done. I, I, it doesn't have a good user experience. Um, so therein lies your first differentiator. But if I, you know, sign up for something or visit a website and it accomplishes everything I expect it to, and it also looks great and I can link back and remember it, uh, th that's a really great uh, example of how those two things, UX and creative design can really play well together and, you know, set yourself apart. So I, I agree with that 100%. And one of the things that I want to get into a little bit more is websites, because I think people are really familiar with websites. They're interacting with them all day long. Um, and there's a lot of correlations that you can draw between websites and user experience, obviously. I think one of the mistakes that people make, though, is they think about maybe the information architecture or the website navigation, and they think that's synonymous with user experience when that's not the case. And I think we've we've made that pretty clear so far. But when it comes to your navigation, what do you think are some of the elements that you want to incorporate there? H how should that be set up? Um, what, how do you want to guide someone through your website in the way that your navigation is is constructed? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because it's you know we're going through it right now. We're thinking about our website and you know what we want it to do for us and how we want users to move through our website. Um, and it's it's interesting. I think when we first set out to do that. We had this idea of let's make sure that anybody that comes to our site can find anything that they need and that should be in the main mm -hmm. navigation um but i think we may have gotten ahead of ourselves and in looking at that from a ux perspective like you know that is that a good user experience it gives somebody a lot of options and does that lend itself to decision fatigue um so somebody just looks at all of those choices and says i don't even know what i want and they bounce from our website so mm -hmm. I think when you when you think about your main navigation and your information architecture, it's kind of that you have there's a balancing act to play, and how much information do you want to give your users versus how much they need, and also like put yourself in your users' shoes when they come to our website or to your website, what is their intention? Where do they hope to go? Again, it's mm -hmm. a playful circle. It's the expectation game. Right. One of the mistakes I think that we made when we were going through a few iterations of our navigation was we were thinking more about what we wanted to accomplish from our perspective rather than what the mm -hmm. user wanted to accomplish when they came to our site. So we went crazy with it almost at first and added every link that we'd want to throw in there into the navigation. Um, and when we started to look at that and realize pretty quickly that that was way too much, decision fatigue was obviously going to occur. And it was pretty easy to recognize the fact that we had gone a little bit too far with it. Um, and now we've come up with a, a a design that I think is a little bit cleaner, a little bit simpler, will be a lot easier to navigate. And it's interesting too thinking about this because we're talking about this today and we're still in the process of redesigning our site. I'm really curious once the site is live and everyone has the opportunity to experience it, if they're going to feel the same way that we do about it now. Um, which leads me into another question kind of, which is 
when it comes to user experience and design, like there needs to be somewhat of a feedback loop there. And that feedback loop can come in the form of directly asking your users a question, but you can also do feedback loops by just measuring the experience and the way in which people are, are engaging with the content and, and the site architecture that you're building out to begin with. Um, so when you're looking for that after designing a product, a website, a piece of content, what are some of the ways that you'd want to measure the effectiveness of the design and the user experience that you're intending to build? Yeah, it's, I want to draw on one thing that you said in kind of the sense that like we put in a lot of things that we thought were necessary for our navigation, but maybe mm -hmm. uh, not our users. And you know, it's it's user experience. And one of the things that's really tough is learning when to separate what you want as the the client or the person designing something versus what your end user is going to be wanting and needing. Uh, I, I feel that mm -hmm. a lot as a designer in terms of, ah, oh, this looks awesome and I love what I've made in this design, but if it's not going to accomplish goals and it's not go the user or the end uh, per person that's using it at the end of the day isn't going to like it or need it or want it, it's meaningless. Um, and with that in mind, the idea of measuring the success of or measuring user experience and what we do with it uh, it kind of comes down to your ability to accomplish goals and in, in its mm -hmm. simplest terms. So if I'm from my perspective as a designer, if I'm putting out this, you know, an ebook or a white paper or whatever it may be, did people download it and did people come back for more? Uh, if there's something that they're, mm -hmm. there's a next step or something that they can come back to and download a second part or whatever it may be, like a, a nurture track, you know, is the design that we're putting out something that makes somebody want to come back and read it again or read more. Uh, if you're down, if somebody's coming and downloading a lot of things and they're not, or downloading one thing and they're not moving forward with you at any point, it's, it might be a sign that it's time to reevaluate what that looks like. And, you know, is this piece of content visually pleasing? Does it accomplish a goal of teaching or educating what we, the reader to know? So there, that's definitely one thing when it comes to like print and graphic stuff. But from a website perspective, there's a lot of tools that help you understand where your users are interacting on your site. Mm -hmm. So like a, to put this in terms of like an example, you know, if you have something that looks like a button on your website, but isn't a button, and there's tools that measure like where folks are clicking and looking on your site, one of them is Hotjar, and we use that here at Newbreed. If folks are clicking on this element that is inherently not clickable, that's a design change that we have to make. And that's a user experience change mm -hmm. that we have to make because somebody's looking at that and thinking, hey, I can click on this. And at the end of the day, you actually can't. Um, so that's, that's that. I mean, that's one way is seeing where folks mm -hmm. are interacting on your site and if it's something that needs to be changed. Yeah, the, the, the way that I like to think about it has to do with conversion paths. Um, I think there's a lot of similarities to draw between user experience and conversion paths. Conversion paths is probably more on the side of like what you want the user to do rather than what the user wants to do. But when there's alignment there, you're going to see a lot of positive impacts and positive outcomes from it. And if you're able to align those things really well, then you'll be able to measure it effectively on top of that. So one of the primary paths that we like to design on Newbreed site is the process of when someone converts for the first time. So ideally what happens is someone does a search online, they come to a new blog post, they read through that post, click a, a call to action or a CTA that we have within that, that piece of content. They go to a landing page, fill out a form and convert. So now we have a bunch of transition points that occur there. We have the transition point of from the, the search that someone made to seeing our 
results pop up in Google, did they click on that? That's conversion point one. How often are we able to get people to click on that? From there, how many people read through that post and click on the CTA? That's conversion point two. Then we take a look at of the people who clicked on that CTA, how many people download that? How many people make it to that last step and complete the form? That's our goal. That's our end goal that we want someone to accomplish. And if we can take a look at each of those transition points or conversion points and figure out where the drop-off is, then we can go back and figure out which aspects of our user experience do we want to address and enhance and change to make it better the next time and to better align it with the user's expectations. So. I think people think about, I mean, at least in my opinion, people think about user experience and think maybe it's it's this really creative process when in reality, there's a lot of numbers that can go into improving it over time and thinking about the feedback loops that you can put in place with it. And like I mentioned before, you can obviously go back and just ask your users directly, like, mm-hmm. or the people that that downloaded that content potentially, was this experience what you wanted it to be? But getting that feedback at scale can be difficult. So just looking at those pathways and just put your, putting yourself, like you said, in your user's shoes can be a really effective way to go about optimizing that process. Yeah, it's interesting because like a lot of what you're talking about is this idea of frictionless design. Um, and as you is the you know you talked about it as like you know this is the path that we want our users to take. But ultimately, especially in our space of B two B. It's folks are coming to us with a pain point or a challenge, and, and they want to reach a solution as well. Um, so mm-hmm. with frictionless design and clear conversion paths, yes, it's the path that we want them to take, but it's also the path that very likely our users want to take as well. And we're making it as clear as possible that this is the direction you want to go to get to a solution for your problem or pa- or pain point. Um, so like when you talk about forms and CTAs, like. You know, are those things clear on your website? Uh, if you're reading a piece of content, is there a very clear CTA, like this is a button, you're gonna download this thing when you get there? Or are there a lot of options of where to go next? Uh, and it's like reducing mm-hmm. friction to make those conversion paths simple and showing users where to go. And to kind of tie it back full circle to what you were talking about earlier in the idea of UX and creative design, those are places where creative design can play a huge role in your user experience. Mm-hmm. You know, user experience is understanding what the expectations are and the functionality that you have to include to make sure that there is frictionless design and clear conversion paths, so buttons and CTAs and the like. But you marry creative design in there by incorporating elements that guide users through your content. Uh, so to use it strictly mm-hmm. in terms of a website, you know, as you're scrolling, there's People use scroll bars to show how close you are to the end of content to keep pushing users down to the end. Uh, Or they have like, you know, texture pieces and vector art that point and guide users toward a CTA. A great example that you see on a lot of really well-designed websites is kind of like flowing backgrounds and that point users further down the page to instigate scrolling and keep them moving down and then right toward a CTA. And then the CTA takes them toward a form to fill out and then right next to where the form ends, pop pushes them out is the next step. Uh, So there, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of UX functionality in terms of like, again, what the expectations are and where you want users to go. But then you fold in your creative design to draw attention to those pieces and make those paths really fluid. 
Right. It's almost like the data is telling us that this aspect of the experience is not working. And then the creative side is, okay, how do we go and solve that problem? And that's where there's the user experience spans both of those areas of both understanding, like, this is where we need to put our time and energy in fixing a situation and the creative side of actually figuring out what that could look like. Is it a scroll bar? Is it the way in which we have the, the page laid out to bring people further down the page? Is it the, the way that a call to action is highlighted on the page? All of those are creative elements and they're ways in which we want to align that experience with what the user ultimately is hoping to accomplish. Exactly. The idea that these two things have to be at odds with one another just isn't true. And the more that you can mm -hmm. bring them together to support one another, the better. Because like I said earlier, you know, as much as possible, the things that you're creating, whether it be product, website, content, should align with best practices for user experiences. That way you're creating a cohesive buying experience and something that's pleasant for users to interact with. But you should be experimenting and staying creative and finding new ways to present those best practices in order to like really stand out from the crowd. Right, and you know, there's only so much that we touch on when it comes to user experience. There's plenty more that we could discuss, a lot of other factors you need to consider and best practices that you can use to try to align in that regard. But like you said, creative and UX design should always be working in tandem and not against one another. At the end of the day, your ability to create a quality user experience directly ties into your ability to convert visitors into leads or free trials or demos and ultimately into long-term customers. Exactly. And, you know, we have a lot of content at newbreedmarketing.com to learn about what some of those best practices are and how you can start incorporating them into your web, your graphic or product design, whatever it may be. And as always, if you like what you hear, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us reach a wider audience. Thank you so much for joining today, Chris, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.